Hello, it's Jeremy Guthrie, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. They come from all corners of the world, and they descend on towns everywhere. Burlington, North Carolina, Idaho Falls, Idaho, Lexington, Kentucky, Wilmington, Delaware, Springdale, Arkansas, Papillion, Nebraska, and Kansas City, Missouri. What do all these men have in common? They work together to win. It's time to talk to another Royal on Clubhouse Conversation. Well, the Royals begin a nine-game road trip tonight in Minnesota. And it seems like a perfect time to talk to our old friend Jeremy Guthrie, who's not pitching in this series. So we decided to dial him up this morning, get his thoughts on the season to date, what's ahead, and ask a variety of random questions. Because you can never ask too many random questions with Jeremy Guthrie. The guy has a broad knowledge and opinion of just about everything. It's always fun. Never a dull moment with Jeremy Guthrie or Jay Guts, as most of Royals Nation knows him from Twitter. And he joins us now on Clubhouse Conversation. Jeremy Guthrie, how are things going up there in Minneapolis? It's excellent. Minnesota is one of of those cities I really enjoy visiting, walking around uh, Nicolette Mall and all the connecting bridges that uh, prevent people from having to go outside, both in the heat and the cold. And so uh, it's fun. It's a good city to come to. Now, paint us a picture. Where are you at right now? Are you some cool hotel? Are you walking around? Where are you at this exact moment? I was walking around, and it was a little bit loud outside, so I entered into a Barnes & Noble. Oh, wow. Is this your first ever interview at a Barnes & Noble in your career? I can't say that it is. I usually make a habit of this type of thing. So, um, unfortunately, you are not the first. This is not exclusive. Here, I felt special there for a second. (laughs) Now, speaking of, we mi- I mentioned hotels there. Now, Alex Gordon tells me the best American League hotel, his favorite, is the one you guys stay at when you play the Rangers in Texas. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Well, when did he tell you that? Oh, I don't know, maybe a month ago? Oh, a month ago. Okay, well, uh, there's a new hotel in the mix that's quite, uh, quite nice, and that's the Four Seasons in uh, Baltimore. So that's why I asked. I know he likes that one as well. Uh, my favorite hotel is the one in Baltimore, and... Uh, it, the one in Texas is a nice resort, so it's a great pool. It's a great to lounge there and uh, hang out. Um, but the actual room and hotel itself, I don't, I don't like quite as much. I'm guessing you're going to say either Chicago or Minneapolis. What's the best trip in the Ale Central? Oh yeah, certainly it's uh, Chicago. That's that's a pretty easy vote if you're just isolating it to the Ale Central. Okay. All right. Well, we got to talk some music here before we talk baseball. And you and I have not talked since the Backstreet Boys concert here in KC. So I want to start by telling you that I I laughed pretty hard. Uh, so that night, I, we had a big lead that night, and it took a while to finish that game off. Michael Marriott came in, I remember, and I saw you go out there and celebrate. You shook hands. You were excited for the win. And then I saw you jog off the field as fast as possible. So did you get like a police escort over there to Starlight? And, and how much of the show did you get to see? I think I saw um, maybe eight or 10 sets, so I'd say probably half of the concert is what I caught. And uh, I did not get a police escort. I, I was not looking for police that day, as I probably broke uh, numerous laws. So <laughs> it was better that there were no police nearby as I was driving over to the starlight. <laughs> I love it. Now, how did you feel that uh, Brian Luttrell performed the next afternoon on his first pitch effort at the K? Great. Uh, he did good. He's, uh, Brian loves baseball um, and a very good athlete, as a matter of fact. So his hitting was great. His pitching was superb, and that's why after I saw his pitch, I said he got to throw out the first pitch, and so he did that the following day. Uh, threw me a slider, located it low and away to a lefty, and uh, pretty good stuff. So we had him and his son Bailey out there, and uh, Bailey's also 
I think he's 11 now. He loves baseball as well, so it's a good time. Don't some of the instinct guys, isn't it Chris that likes baseball a lot too? Yeah, Chris does for sure. Chris Patrick loves baseball, and obviously Justin Timberlake loves you know all sports. It seems uh, pretty athletic himself. Very cool. Now, I know you're famous for introducing your teammates to music and kind of changing their lives. So who's your latest victim and which artist or album have you gotten them hooked on? Well, I'm always uh, I'm always really pushing hard for, for Avril Lavigne. Uh, Shields is actually a, a, a decent fan of hers um, musically. You know, I think he had an encounter with her kind of uh, at the prop a few years back where he actually tried to meet her and it didn't go so well. So she can be a little bit edgy at times from what I hear. But uh, in terms of the music... He loves her music as well as I do, so we share that bond. And, uh, you know, I think Alex, for the most part, <clears throat> was probably a Timberlake fan, but having seen the concert we went together on his birthday in Omaha, uh, you know, I think he is fully committed to the, the Justin Timberlake movement that's sweeping the world. If you were a hitter, would you change your, your walk-up song like every homestand? Yeah, I like to change my music. Uh, I change it before I listen before every game for the most part. So I, I would certainly be a guy who would be rotating songs. Now, who besides you has the best musical taste on this team? Me and Alex Gordon really coincide, so I'd have to really like what he listens to. Um, the worst is by far Dyson. <laughs> Dyson and Haas can really bring some rough stuff to the clubhouse. Um, Shields and Davis, big into the hard, heavy metal rock kind of uh, sound, which is good at times. Um, but, you know, I, I would never call my music taste the best, but mine's probably the most mainstream and the most listenable, if that's, uh, if that's a word. Right. Well, now I've heard rumors, too, that the clubhouse was getting a karaoke machine this year and that there might be YouTube videos one day. Is there an update on that? Is that still possible here in the second half? Those are rumors, not, none of which have been confirmed at this point. Right? <laughs> Just possibilities? <laughs> There's always that possibility, but love uh, nothing confirmed. Nothing confirmed as of, uh, as of June. <laughs> well, we got July coming up still. Now, one thing before we talk uh, some baseball and stuff, I want to give you a chance to talk about something I see you tweet quite a bit about, about uh, climate change and the show Years of Living on Showtime. So I'm assuming you're watching that show, and then how important is it to you to get the word out about climate change? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's pretty interesting to see how much traction um, climate change seems to be getting, you know, on a national level and certainly on a worldwide level. Uh, I think you go back two or three years ago and not many people were willing to listen or talk about it or discuss it openly. But um, as I watch a lot of shows, read a lot of stuff, look at books, magazines, newspapers, there's quite a bit written and said about it. And I think that people have come to the understanding that certainly the way the Earth is populated and, and the resources, the strain we put on, on resources, you know, as a three billion person planet, more or less, you know, uh, will have its ramifications and there's things we can do to try and be better at conserving and, and trying to hopefully uh, have a benefit on the climate. And, and there'll be a number of arguments, you know, whether or not human activity causes climate change, whether or not climate change is natural, whether or not climate change causes a number of, you know, issues, uh, not, you know, none less important than, than changes in, in weather and the way that can affect uh, cities, both, you know, not just in terms of rising temperatures and melting ice caps and rising sea levels, but also in terms of things like drought, flooding, um, and a number of other things that, that come along with climate change. And I think just the people being aware, uh, the biggest thing I always push is, you know, 
why why argue against it? Why not just try to do better at conserving? Why not try to do better at uh, at our use and the way we use energy around the world? Why not try to drive less? Why not try to use less? Because it can only benefit ourselves and our and our posterity. And so that's kind of the message I push because it really can help everybody. You don't have to agree that there's global warming to want to conserve and understand that, you know, there's only so much uh, of everything in this world. And if we can do the best we can to use it, you know, prudently, then then we're all going to be better off for it. Now, how about that for a uh, spiel? I love it. Well, how about the, in the Guthrie household? (laughs) Have you guys done anything different in your house to kind of combat that? Yeah, naturally, you know, everything that I do uh, rubs off on the kids and, and my wife. So, um, whether it's uh, my kids telling the other kid to turn off the sink while the water is running during brushing their teeth or reminding my wife to turn off a light. You know, all of that stuff is is just a manifestation that they're aware of what's going on. And so many people, you know, today just take for granted because we live in a great country that has, you know, endless freedoms. And, and from what we've, you know, lived, it, it seems like it has endless resources, but it doesn't. And so... Too often we're caught wasting and, and just thoughtlessly living our life day to day. And if we can just have an awareness and an understanding of, of how blessed we are, you know, I think that gratitude and that thought um, goes a long way at uh, kind of dictating the way we act and the way we use things and the way, you know, we waste and whatnot. Well, speaking of TV and that show on Showtime, also one other TV thing, I'm sure you probably caught some of the College World Series recently, and that might have made you reminisce about your days pitching in Omaha with Stanford. What are your favorite memories of you know this time of year and being in Omaha pitching in the College World Series? The best memory I have for sure is uh, is watching Nebraska play. And it was their first time in the College World Series and seeing that sea of red, um, you know, 25,000-plus, flooding the stadium, the old rose and black, and just pounding on the wall and chanting, go big red, fight, fight, fight. Um, I think that was, you know, aside from actually pitching in it, Seeing that was was pretty exciting and kind of an image that uh, is lasting in my memory. I see that you tweeted recently that you need to graduate soon. How many credit hours are you away, and what's your major? Fifteen credit hours away. My major is sociology. uh, My first two seasons of pro baseball, which were 2003 and 2004, um, I was able to go back following the minor league season and complete you know, 20 credit hours in each of those uh, quarters that I wouldn't did. And then I kind of ran into a roadblock. Um, I needed one class for the uh, for the sociology major and unfortunately was not offered at all in um, the fall, which was the quarter I was able to go to school. And so um, you need to finish at Stanford on campus and, and you need, and I needed that one class. And so it just kind of put a roadblock. And at that point, uh, you know, I had my second kid and life got much busier and, and travel and, and baseball, and so I just haven't gotten back to it. So I've remained with that 15 credit shortage and that one class in particular uh, looming over my head now for for 10 years. Maybe you can make it a reality show, like Tommy Lee goes to college. Remember, remember that show back in the day? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I must have missed that one. Oh, but, it was uh, like eight it episodes. Sounds very exciting. Yeah, he went to the University of Nebraska. <laughs> you should ask Alex about it. Alex was there at that time. He went to UNL there for for a little bit. <laughs> But, uh, Did he graduate? Yeah. Well, I don't think so, but <laughs> it's Tommy Lee. But he had fun, though. Only Tommy Lee can graduate from Nebraska in eight, in eight episodes, I guess. <laughs> well, let's talk a little Royals baseball. So you guys just wrapped up a nine-game homestand where you basically faced a Hall of Fame pitcher every night. So how excited are you guys to get out on the road and, and not face Sandy Koufax every night? Yeah, that was a, a very, you know, uh, 
tough stretch for us, not only the teams, but like you said, the, the actual pitchers that we faced. Um, you know, it would have been pretty cool had we been able to face uh, Felix Hernandez as well in that mix, and we could have faced five Cy Young Award winners in the last, you know, four or five years. But, uh, you know, it didn't go great. I thought we played well. We, um, you know, we lost, I think, two or three in the eighth or ninth inning, I felt like, in heartbreak fashion, uh, having played a Having played well, but just not being able to get that late, that late run to seal the victory, and um, it's nice, like you said, it's uh, it's good to be um, back at it. Um, but you really can't take any pitcher for granted, whether uh, they're a rookie or whether they're Clayton Kershaw. It's, uh, it's going to be a challenge, and that's the unique thing about baseball is, you know, no matter how good one team is or the other, it's uh, it's all about pitching that night, and, and a couple of breaks can really change the the outcome. Have you ever pitched in your entire career with a defense anywhere close to as good as this one? I have. I have one time, and that's why I appreciated uh, before I signed back just how important and how beneficial that defense can be. That was actually in college um, at Stanford. It's a different game, but the results were were the same. And uh, we had a team there that included Sam Fold in center field, who now plays for the Twins and plays, you know, what I deem a gold glove caliber outfield. But the biggest thing we had there was we had four guys that were, were recruited as shortstops to play at Sanford. And naturally, they all showed up together. And there's only one place, uh, there's only one shortstop position. And so those four guys and, and other guys that competed for that role got all filtered around. So when I was a junior, we had, uh, we, I think we set the record for fielding percentage um, for college. It was, you know, I think we made four, five, or six errors the whole season. And we had four. You know, highly recruited shortstops from high school playing around our infield, and uh, I've never seen so many spectacular plays, you know, made so many double plays made as we did that year. And uh, and then the outfield, we threw the ball well. Sam Folds had everything that entered the grass out there, much uh, much like Kane and Dyson do, and um, and so we just uh, it, it was special. And uh, we didn't quite have the uh, the Gold Glove arm and and diving ability of a, of an Alex Gordon, but but we were pretty good. So um, our defense is excellent in Kansas City, and uh, every pitcher benefits hugely because of it. And it's uh, you know difficult to really put a number on it, but but I promise you, our ERAs would be uh, significantly higher. Probably close to a run would be my guess for every pitcher if we didn't have the defense we had. Now, speaking of defense, you're pretty good yourself there at, on the mound. I know you probably aren't real thrilled with some of your throws this year to, to first, but you've been really good in your career. You're fast off the mound. you got the cat-like reflexes. Did you play some shortstop growing up or center field or anything like that? No. I played a uh, below-average third base. Really? So, uh, yeah, and, and unfortunately this year I, I came in with high hopes of uh, maybe making a campaign for the gold gloves. But as it turns out, I think I have about six or seven errors. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up the league for a really bad year this year. <laughs> and then next year, I'm going to try to get the comeback player of the year in terms of the gold glove. So, you know, my problem, like you said, is I just sometimes I get too anxious to try and pick that guy up at first. And so I try to make a perfect throw. And if you don't make the perfect throw, it ends up being an error. And heaven knows I haven't uh, haven't caught the ball too great over at first base either. So this year has been a year that uh, I'm chalking up as a really bad year, but next year expect a really big bounce back gold glove campaign. <laughs> now uh, let's go ahead and critique your slide into third base as a pinch runner. How would you describe that moment and critique yourself on that? Uh, I was notified very late of the slide, and unfortunately not being a, a base runner that's familiar with exactly how far the ball travels when that ball was hit, 
uh, you know, out into right center field. My anticipation was that it was hit hard enough that it was going to get to an outfielder. And with the large lead I had and the fact that it was two strikes, two outs, and I could run as soon as the, the ball was, you know, as soon as the hitter swung, I, my whole thought was I'm going to third base no matter what and shoot if they bobble it in the outfield, I may even get home. And so that was my thought process as I approached third base and Hosmer pointed out, he said, I saw your eyes. He said, you weren't even looking at, you weren't even looking at the base. You were just looking at home. <laughs> and, uh, Jersh had to direct his attention to Salvador Perez as he scored first. And, um, Sal, so he had to make sure Sal got home safely. And then he looked at me and he's like, geez, you know, this is going to be a close play. You got to get down. And when he told me that, I felt like it was pretty late. <laughs> and, uh, the only thing I could really do was just drop to the ground. I didn't really get much of a slide on the dirt. I just got kind of a drop. Well, you ran fast, so that's all that matters. Well, one, one thing about your strikeout numbers, they've been going up a lot lately, which I know is a goal of yours coming into the season. So is it as simple as pitching inside more with conviction, or were there some also some mechanical adjustments in there too? Well, it's all, the, all of the above. And I've thrown better pitches. My changeup's been down you know, below the zone much more consistently, and uh, when you do that, it makes your fastball better, which I've been able to get some strikeouts with that as well. How important has Dave Island been to your career rebirth here in KC? Oh, excellent. He's, uh, you know, he is, uh, is a, pays as close attention to detail and preparation as uh, anybody I've been lucky to work with. And he had great ideas and continues to come up with ideas to, to help every pitcher, myself included, to you know, be more consistent and be better. And so... Um, you know, I think every pitcher has benefited uh, by working with him and me especially. Well, how hungry are you as a pitcher to make that next step into the postseason and finally get to pitch in the postseason? Do you think about that quite a bit? No, you know, I don't. I, I think about making uh, the effort to go out every five days and be effective. Um, I think about trying to be healthy and prepared to, to make all my starts, which will help the team, which will, you know, potentially help a team get into the playoffs. Um you know, if you go into the season wanting to be in the playoffs and that's your only goal, it can be a long grind. And, and when things don't go well, it can be uh, it can be susceptible to, to getting frustrated and giving in a little bit. And so my goal every time is just to have the best start I can. And so no matter how bad yesterday's start is or good it is, my focus is on the next one and making that the best it can be. And I think that's uh, you know, that's really what it takes in baseball to be consistent is if you start looking at a 162-game picture and, and what you want to accomplish on a large scale, I want to hit you know 25 home runs and have 100 RBI or win 15 games and have an ERA below three. When when you're not working, if you have one outing that kind of throws that goal off, it has the potential to you know to derail you for a little bit of time, and I think that's uh, that's something you want to avoid in, uh, in baseball being such a long and you know drawn-out season. All right, well, rapid-fire time. Last five random quick questions. You ready for this randomness? Let's do it. What's the weirdest food you've ever eaten in a foreign country? Um, maybe shark fin uh, over in Taiwan. Had a shark fin soup that was pretty unique. If you had to pick one favorite current umpire, either because of strike zone or because of sense of humor, who would it be? Uh, maybe Ed Rapuano. Uh, had an experience with him when I was a rookie. I was struggling out on the mound to throw strikes. He came out and uh, let's go, Jeremy. No, fire some strikes, shows you out of this inning, go home. And I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. He kind of gave me that encouragement, and uh, he knew my name. And I've only, you know, pitched in two or three major league games, so that was pretty cool. What's the oddest place you've ever been asked for an autograph? Um, I mean. Nowhere odd. 
out in public, you know, whether it's at a whether it's at a uh, grocery store or a restaurant or or walking around. What's the best baseball movie of all time, and what's the worst? The Natural is my favorite baseball movie of all time, and uh, as far as the worst, um, or maybe- I don't really have a worst. You know, baseball movies are good, so watch them all. I'm with you. And then finally, last thing, go ahead and fill in the blank on this song lyric. Oh, she's so international. The way, the way she get it on the floor. I'm trying, I'm trying to holler at you. What am I supposed to fill in? <laughs> the next lyric for Jesse McCartney, Body Language, right? Remember? I don't speak Spanish, Japanese, or French, but the way you're <laughs> talking definitely makes sense. There it so is. That body, that body language. <laughs> Had to work into Jesse McCartney. She moves around and moves to the beat. <laughs> How's that? That's perfect. Hey, thanks for all your time up there, and, and, and you know, keep it going on this road trip. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Dave Owen. Uh, keep up the good work and keep the people uh, informed. You do a great job. Will too. Thank you. Take care. Okay, thanks.